Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Before we get into the atrocity that was last night's 3-1 loss to Charlotte by Atlanta United at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I want to say a happy Mother's Day to all the moms and grandmoms and godmothers and any female who's had a positive influence in a young person's life. Thank you for everything you do. We appreciate you even though we could be a total pain in the butt most of the time. So last night, 3-1 to one loss for Atlanta United, fourth consecutive loss, another game in which the offense simply did not show up, another game in which the defense committed just incredibly silly mistakes. After the game, Gonzalo Pineda came as close as he'll ever come to calling out the players, saying they lack intensity, saying he knows it's there, otherwise they wouldn't have started the season unbeaten in four and with 11 goals scored. But now they've won just one of their past seven. It's uh, nobody is producing anywhere on the field. The uh, it's uh, a team that lacks confidence. It's a team that, frankly, sometimes looks like it's thinking about other things. At least some players, in my opinion. And y'all have a lot of questions for the voicemail. You have a lot of questions in the mailbag. A lot of them center around some of the same topics. I will do my best to be patient and to answer each of them. We'll hear all of them, and I'll read all of them. Some of them I may have shorter answers to than others. But just to kind of go ahead and give you this overarching thought about Gonzalo Pineda. I think he's a good manager. I do think, though, that with one more loss, possibly, there we may have to start asking some hard questions about his future with the club, and I don't like saying that. But based upon the club's history with Frank DeBoer, Gabriel Heinze, we may be reaching that, that fork in the road here soon. Now, I will say that Garth Lagerway, the CEO, had a lot of patience with Seattle during a couple of seasons when they were really, really struggling. He made one change at the time, and it seemed to have worked with Brian Schmetzer being named manager. Seattle's gone on and won a lot of things. So we will see what happens. Um, There's only so much Gonzalo can do. The players have to do what is being asked. They have to perform with some intensity. And right now, you can see it in... I wrote about this on Monday, but this is not a problem that is unique to this roster and this season with this franchise. You go back to 2019 when the team won two trophies, the U.S. Open Cup, the Campionas Cup, came within a save penalty kick of making it back to the MLS Cup, which it would have hosted. And there were stretches during that season when the players simply seemed to or played as if simply because they were on the field, they were going to win. Simply because it was them and not because of anything they thought they were going to do. And that's kind of what it feels like right now. So this has now happened under five different managers with a roster that's been totally turned over. In my blog post on last Monday, I I said, if you keep changing everything, but there is one constant, which in my mind, it might be the scouting model that the team uses for players, undervaluing something and overvaluing something else then maybe that needs to be tweaked because when the same thing keeps happening, no matter the manager, no matter the roster, uh, something's got to change. And so that's my stab at it. Um, Again, I'm not advocating for anyone's termination. I would never, ever do that. I do get a pretty good sense of when things are, are going to happen. I have had to unfortunately ask Frank the question. I had to unfortunately ask Gabriel the question of, are you concerned about your future with the club? Last night, I asked Pineda, and you'll hear his answer, if he was starting to feel any pressure. So anyway, that's kind of my overarching thought, and I'll go into it in more detail with each of your questions here on the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. I'm going to be two-fisting it with coffee this morning to try to get through all this. I hope you're enjoying some coffee. If you haven't ordered your Doug coffee from dougstore.com.gov.net, Daniel is waiting. I don't know where he is right now. I need to put an Apple tag on him, one person suggested. I think he's hiding out in the Appalachia Mountains right now. When we come back, you'll hear from Gonzalo Pineda and Yorgo Shakamakis. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. So, you know, Gonzalo, as always, gave, I thought, reasonable answers, answers with information. He doesn't have a lot of time to figure this out because the team will host Colorado on Wednesday. And I got to figure Colorado is going to come in and do what other teams are doing, which is kind of play a mid to low block and try to beat Atlanta on the counter. And really, a lot of teams are, I think, expecting or counting on Atlanta United to beat itself, which happened quite a few times last night. But here's Pineda talking about what is wrong with the offense and how they can correct it. There are a couple things to to fix before we fix the attack. I think uh, uh, we started pretty well the game. We created probably three Three chances, two of them very clear uh, before the 1-0, and, uh, and we couldn't score. But I feel like uh, we are not at the level of the intensity that we need to have on and off the ball. Uh, so more than the attack, because I feel that we created some decent chances, especially in the first half. But uh, the levels of intensity are not there. So we need to fix that first, and then we can correct some others. How do you do that? How do you fix the levels of intensity? Well, training session, work hard. Now we have to recover. Uh, They have to see what we need to do better. Uh, We're ready to talk, and uh, I expect better next time. So, again, the team will get one full training session before Colorado on Wednesday. I don't know how a switch can be flipped. The only thing I can think of is... Well, there's a few things, but Pineda can simply start to bench underperforming players. And, you know, there's a couple that come to mind immediately. Luis Arjujo has one shot on goal in the past seven matches. That one shot came last night. It was a one-on-one in which he probably should have scored, but he hit it right at the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper came out and took away the angles, but you could still see he hit it right at him. And I, I keep saying this. I think Arahujo is immensely skilled, immensely skilled. But for some reason right now, it's just not clicking. And he came into this season with his own self-described goal of showing everyone who he truly is and, and being the player that can be a difference maker. And it's just not happening at all right now. Uh, I wouldn't bench uh, Tiago. Uh, Almada, but he is starting to me look a little frustrated on the field. The backup strikers have one shot between them in their last four starts for Yurgo Shakamakis, who I think is going to start against Colorado, and that could fix a lot of problems by itself. But the team has allowed 21 goals, tied for second most in Major League Soccer. It scored four goals in its past four games. It's only put 11 shots on goal in its past four games. And this is a team that has spent a lot of money on transfers to bring in attacking players, players of quality. You look at when Yakamakis is on the field, it's uh, almost $40 million of transfer fees. Something's got to happen. So I asked Pineda, this is kind of a baby step way into a question if he's basically worried about the future. But I asked him if he's feeling any pressure. There's always pressure. I will answer like that. There's always pressure. Whether we start to be in a very good position in the standings, at times we were in second place and now we drop in third. And now, I don't know, by having checked if we're in fourth now. But uh, yeah, 
and and then maybe we're a bit complacent, you know. Oh yeah, we're we're safe, we're there. So maybe we need a little bit of you know understanding that everyone wants uh, that uh, privileged uh, position in the standings and and be higher on the standings, and we need that pressure maybe uh, everyone. So I always feel pressure uh, being in Atlanta United for sure. Like uh, is the demands of this team is very high. Uh, but maybe we need a little bit of this pressure to to really succeed. You see some of the stories, some of the teams being in the bottom, and then from there, you know, one two games they get some momentum, and then they are back with that fire. That's what we need. I feel like we need one or two games where we played this way, intense, and and we get the results, and then we're going to be back in in a good shape. But again, momentum matters in MLS, and we need to to get that momentum back. Momentum is important, but the team shouldn't have to get need results in order to get the intensity. It shouldn't. They're professional athletes. They should come with the intensity no matter what is going on, at least in the first halves of games. And, you know, against Nashville, after about the 30th minute when Nashville scored, you could see Atlanta United just deflate. Against Miami, they never showed it, in my opinion. And they they were trying to pitch – us on oh we played a lot better against Miami we got into good spots well by then it was too little too late Chicago Atlanta United won that game but even Pineda admitted a couple of times last week was not a good performance at all Memphis we're not even going to talk about that one but I don't know what manager can come in and make players feel more intense other than to risk or to to threaten to bench them every player wants to play so the other, or the only other thing I could think of that Pineda could do is uh, I, I think they've become pretty predictable in their passing patterns and their movements. Perhaps change the formation. Perhaps try to do some new sequences, some new patterns. Uh, I tweeted last night, maybe a 4-1-3-2. And let, if you're going to have to play Arahujo, if that's the feeling right now, um, in his you know poor form as a second striker and just kind of give him license to play kind of underneath Yakamaki's and ahead of Almada and give Almada somebody to play off of because right now he's on an island. Um, and I understand why he's on an island. He works better in space, but he has no one to play off of, and, and it's just not working for him right now either. So Atlanta United, uh, Pineda was right. They're in fourth in the east. They're six points, only six points away from New England, but they're also only six points ahead of 15th place Toronto, which I got to assume is going to fire Bob Bradley soon after losing to Montreal again, spending a lot of money and really getting nothing for it. Uh, he's my next coach that I think is on the hot seat, but that's just my take on that. All right, so, you know, I give a lot of credit to players when they come and talk to us after bad losses, particularly on road games. Last night, by the time we got to the locker room, there were only two players left, which, you know, they have their lives, they have their emotions, but it was still a little disappointing, but that's how it goes. The one player we were able to talk to was Yurgo Sakamakis, who came on as a sub. He provided a lot of interesting answers to some questions. Um, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase another question I asked him. The other only a player in there was uh, Quentin Westberg, and he was he was leaving as we got there. I don't blame the players. I mean, who wants to stick around and talk to the media, especially after a fourth consecutive loss? So you know, I'm, I'm coming across, I guess, as probably just a little uh, sour grapey right now, so I apologize. But anyway, here's Yakamaki's on if he sees a lack of confidence and intensity right now. Yeah, it's it's really obvious. Uh, I don't think we were waiting the first goal or the red card to, to lose our confidence. We played without confidence the last games because of the results. Um, we have a tough period, but this periods, I think, they create champions. And if you can come up stronger from this situation, it means you are strong. And we need to show now to ourselves, first of all, and to our fans that uh, we're really strong. We can get over it and uh, come back to the, um, the glory days and uh, the victories. I thought that was a really interesting answer, a really mature answer um, from Yorgos on kind of turning the question and saying, look, we can, we can turn this into a positive. Uh, that, to me, is a sign of, of, of a leader. And... Right now, I tweeted this out last night, when Brad is not on the field, this team does not have a leader. I don't think it's had a leader. I've said this on past podcasts and written it uh, in years since Lorenowitz and Parkhurst left. 
It doesn't have someone who is going to get in teammates' faces on the field, you know, in a, in a professional way, or or direct teammates on the field when things are going wrong or, or try to lift them up. I just I don't see it. I haven't seen it in years, and I don't see it now. I think Yurgos could be that guy. You know, I'm curious after the game which player stepped up and addressed teammates. Uh, I've, I have an idea, uh, but I don't want to share it in case I'm wrong make others look bad it's just it's uh this is as with Yurgo said this is an opportunity for a player on atlanta united to step up and simply tell teammates this is not right this standard is not what was set this is not what i came here for this is not what i signed up for this is i mean frankly if you want to be selfish this is not going to help my career we all have to be better to help ourselves and to help this franchise you know this is athletes as, as stinging as this might sound, athletes are commodities. There's always going to be somebody better. Otherwise, there wouldn't be records broken. Atlanta United could go in the offseason and simply try to find a way to unload every player on the roster if it so chose. It's not easy in MLS, but Atlanta United could really do that. But anyway, here's your ghost on how that he's healthy again. He can help with the lack of intensity. Now that I'm back, now that I'm healthy, mm-hmm. uh... You cannot put your intensity straight away in the game if you don't have it in training. Uh, I don't think we have lack of intensity too much in the training, but it's totally different when you play a game and when you uh, just train with your teammates. Uh, I think we can we can really work even harder in the training. We can even uh, put our ego first of all and. Um, just not accepting of the whole situation. If we don't accept the whole situation and uh, we get pissed off of that, and uh, I don't know, that we have start, we have to start thinking that we need to change many things. First of all, uh, mentally, we have to to be stronger. We have to be tougher. We have to to overcome difficult situations like like the one we have right now. Um, but I think we will we'll work even harder in the training. We will, uh, we will talk between each other. And this is something that I think is a key in this moment because we need to communicate a bit more. We need to realize how my teammate next to me is thinking. What is he waiting for me? What is he expecting from me? What I expect from him, I need to explain. Um, because right now we don't play with our standards high and uh, this is something that we need to change us up. And I think it's a good chance on Wednesday to get our first victory and uh, come back to the positive results and give some happiness also to our fans because they are keep coming. And we said today that if we if we keep keep losing, if we dropping points, uh, then the fans will disappear and they will be right. We bring the fans to the stadium. We send them away, and uh, I hope that uh, we will give them some some. Some joy to come and watch us. And then here's your ghost on how he's feeling. He had suffered a kind of a recurring hamstring issue in two consecutive games that sidelined him during three of the four games, uh, I think is right. Uh, and he came back, he came off the bench last night. He had a shot that went just wide, but he is a difference maker. I feel good, I feel good. Uh, my hamstring is 100%. Uh, but it needs to take some adaptation, of course, because it's different to train and different to play 60 minutes or 90 minutes in high-intensity rounds. And my position is to sprint all the time, so it affects a lot of the hamstring, and uh, that's why we have to uh, to adapt again. And again, I appreciate your ghost. It may have been an accident, but being the, the guy in the locker room to step up and talk to us. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.
The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining. You can get all of our stories on AJC.com and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. The offer ends May 22nd, which is three days before my son and I fly to London to meet my daughter. So I will not be at the Orlando game. This will be only the... Second game in Atlanta United's history, non-COVID, that I will not be there to cover. The first was uh, last season, and I'm not going to get into why I wasn't available to cover that. Uh, I just realized that I really haven't gone into any of the stats last, from last night, so before we listen to the voicemails, let me just throw out a couple at you really quick. Charlotte finished with 2.27 expected goals, which I believe is the highest against Atlanta United this season. And what's remarkable about it is it only came on four shots on goal. So three of their shots on goal were scored. Now, I've read different things about penalty kicks don't count as shots on goal, but I've also read that they do, so I don't know if that's a part of it. But anyway, that's a remarkable stat. Atlanta United with 11 shots, just two on goal. One of them came on the goal scored by Juanjo Parata in the 86th minute with an assist by Tiago Tiago Almada, his seventh, I think, this season. Charlotte's goals were scored by Justin Miram, former Atlanta United player in 2019. In the 18th minute, Carol Swiderski in the 52nd minute on a penalty kick after a VAR Episode resulted in Andrew Gutman being sent off for a red card for pulling the jersey of a player uh, on a dog so. And then Merrim again in the 57th minute with another tap-in. The first was a volley. The second was a tap-in. He didn't celebrate after either goal. He went on Twitter later to, to express his support for the club and how it kind of rekindled his love of soccer. Andrew Gutman went on Twitter to apologize for the red card and said the loss was on him. But even Pineda said after the game that the loss wasn't had nothing to do with a red card. So I think that's leadership by Gutman, but it, it you know he's being a professional and, and that's a good thing. Uh, but this game was lost long before that red card. Barata had one shot on goal. Arahujo with one shot on goal. That's it. I don't think Almada had a shot, which is not good. But he led the team with six chances created. So. We're going to get into the voicemails now. The number, again, is 770-810-5297, 770-810-5297. We have 12 voicemails, which is a lot more than we typically get. Daniel was up all night crocheting something for uh, his mother and his wife for Mother's Day. I don't know how he found the time to answer 12 voicemails, but here we go. Hey, Doug, it's uh, Henry from uh, McDonough County. I'm just curious, what do you think that uh, Gonzalo Pineda is doing that earns him the place as head coach? I've seen uh, under-12 clubs that respond better to mid-game adjustments than what he is putting out there. I just don't understand how anyone thinks that he is doing better than what uh, a novice could do. I'm just, I'm baffled. Darren Eels is in town this weekend. I kind of wish Darren Eels still had the power to fire him. I'm just, I'm I'm sick of this. Let me know what you think. Thank you. Bye. All right. Yeah, I think we're going to get this question or a version of this question a few times. Uh, I would point out that the team was unbeaten its first four games with 11 goals scored. When Pineda came in at the end of the 2021 season, they tied for the most points in the stretch of games with I think it was Portland in Major League Soccer last year you have to throw out because of all the injuries I think Pineda is a good coach I I think it would be cool if he were a little more flexible in the formation um, and maybe the tactics but you know the tactics are so nuanced that I'm not smart enough to pick up on most of it and I love these voicemails and I want to share this with y'all Some of you who grew up in Atlanta are old enough to remember when the Braves played the Pirates 
in the National League playoffs. This was the Sid Bream slide that won the game. But one of the local radio stations, I think it was 96 Rock, it was either 96 Rock or Z93 at the time, would uh, take voicemails from people sending messages of support to the Braves or condemnation to the Pirates. And there was one guy who would call in all the time. It was John from Stockbridge. And he, he would say, I want the Pittsburgh Pirates to know when you're messing with the Braves, you're messing with a son of a... And then they would play Nazareth's Hair of the Dog. Or no, Nazareth's Son of a... Song. This happened every night. It felt like multiple times a night, but it always made me giggle. Anyway, on to voicemail number two. Hey, Doug. It's Kevin from Gwinnett, and I'm just wondering... Do you think that Gonzalo Pineda has what it takes to be an MLS Cup champion coach? We've watched him lose three straight games in a row against very bad teams. I'm just curious, what has he done to demonstrate that he is an elite MLS coach? Thanks. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Uh, So I answer this one partially, but I appreciate the question. He, you know, helped Seattle win quite a few or play for quite a few trophies, winning a couple. Um, so he, he's a good coach. Again, this problem isn't specific to this roster. It's something else, and I don't know what it is, but it's something else. On to the next one. Doug, this is Eves from Atlanta, and I want to know what has Carlos Bogenegger done over the last 12 months to prove that he still deserves the job as a technical director at a premier level MLS club. Hmm. That's an interesting question. Uh, you know, I think that the players that have been brought in, uh, I think Yurgo Shakamakis is, has proven he's a very good player. I think Etienne, still has the potential even though there's you know not a lot in the way of results right now from him but n- nobody on the team is producing so I don't want to single him out um, everybody is struggling right now Almada uh, that's a that's a pretty good signing miles Robinson even though the defense is you know stinking on ice right now uh, pretty good pretty good draft pick back in the day. Um, so those are a few things. I understand that there's misses, but there are always going to be misses. The problem with MLS is you've got to have more hits than misses, or you might, you know, be near the bottom of the standings. And Atlanta United right now is not at the bottom of the standings. It is fourth in the East. It has lost four consecutive games, three in Major League Soccer. But there is time to, to turn it around, and that chance will start on Wednesday. And if it doesn't, then I will have to ask Pineda the very, very – Tough and unfun question of if he's worried about his job. All right, on to the next one. Hey, Doug, this is Derek from Johns Creek. I'm just wondering, if you were a season ticket holder, what would make you feel optimistic about the end of the season here? Because it just seems like we have no clue what to do. We've got some talented players but they just have no idea how to connect, and we're we're losing 3-0 at home to a team that we beat on the road a month ago. What is going on, and why should we be happy with this? I feel like we are being sold a bill of false goods. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say be happy with it. I would, you know. If I were an Atlanta United supporter, I would be extremely frustrated too right now. This is not fun to watch. It's not fun to cover, but it's my job, so I cover it. And unfortunately, it's kind of been this way for a while now. I would say the reasons to be optimistic is despite this losing streak, you're still in fourth place. You're still only six points away from New England with a lot of matches to play. You could beat Colorado on Wednesday. You could go to Chicago on Saturday and win, and boom, there's your six points. You could be tied for first depending upon other results. And as Pineda said and believes, if you can get a couple of good performances, suddenly everything snowballs, and off you go. All right, on to the next voicemail. Doug, 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 where to begin? This is Mike from McDonough walking 
back to my car from Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the beautiful Mercedes-Benz Stadium after that 3-1 defeat. Doug, I have many, many complaints, but I don't want to focus on that. Give me three reasons to be optimistic moving forward. That's all, Doug. I just need you to lift my spirits. Love the podcast. Doug, you're the best. Appreciate you. Thank you. Three reasons to be optimistic. Okay, well, repeating a little bit myself, despite the three consecutive losses in the league, you're in fourth place and only six points out of first. Boom. As bad as the team is playing right now, you've seen how good it can play in those first four games. So I would hold on to that. And this team is still filled, filled with talented and skilled players. I mean, it it truly is. I I still would put the talent, the singular talent of each player up against almost every other team in Major League Soccer with maybe one exception, uh, and that's LAFC. But we can talk about that at a later point. But right now, they're just not playing like a team. And again, I've said this, you know, many, many times. Consistency breeds confidence, breeds or consistency breeds chemistry, breeds confidence, breeds results. The team hasn't had Yurgos. Abara came back into the starting lineup last night, although I think teams are starting to figure out a ways around him at this point. And most of the, the wounds on defense, the goals allowed, are self-inflicted. I mean, the first goal last night, I, I don't want, know what Brooks was doing on that goal, but it started with Miram crossing from left to right. Everybody flowed that way, including Lennon. The ball came back to Miram, who was unmarked at the back post. He really barely moved from his first cross for a volley in. Second goal is a penalty kick. Third goal, Miram beat – I'd have to go back and look. Miram beat somebody to the spot for a one-timer. It's just it's fundamental soccer that these guys know how to play that for some reason sometimes it just doesn't happen in the game. Um, so that's that's three reasons. All right, on to the next voicemail. Hey, Doug, this is Carlos B. And if you were the technical director of Atlanta United, what changes would you make? I'm I'm not asking for any specific reason, as if I am possibly Carlos Bocanegra. I'm just curious what you would have to to, to change. I'm uh, I'm I'm taking a, a piece of paper and a pencil here. So please let me know what I can do to save my job. Thank you. Also, this is, I swear, this is not Carlos Bocanegra. Goodbye. Yeah, I I don't want to burst your bubble, but you sound nothing like Carlos Bocanegra. But, you know, I appreciate the humor and trying to trying to find something out of an awful game. Uh, you know, I've given my thoughts. Uh, there's only, Carlos isn't the coach. Uh, Carlos does acquire the players. And I've, I've said earlier, I think, if it hasn't already been tweaked, maybe something in the scouting model needs to change. Um, maybe put more emphasis on initiative and and leadership uh, than whatever else the team might be looking at uh, in its specific models for specific positions. You know, the team now has a new data partner that is going to help it with with all aspects of scouting, both players and opponents. So we'll see what they come up with. Um, it's a company that Garth Lagerway worked with, or a, it's a person that Garth Lagerway worked with in Seattle. That person now has formed their own company with their wife who uh, did data analytics for Arsenal. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, the, the summer window is going to be a pretty good idea because Atlanta United is going to make some additions. I think they've got to. On to the next voicemail. Hey, Doug. It's Doug. I know. Same name. Different mamas. It's all good. Uh, I'm just wondering, could you explain to me what Carlos Bocanegra or uh, Gonzalo Pineda do that makes them uh, deserving of retaining a job in MLS? Thanks. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Hi, Doug. You have the best name in the history of names, followed only by Daniel, followed only by Sam Jedediah Jones. I have no idea if that's what the J stands for, but that's what I always say. You know, I, I think I've covered this in previous answers. I would point out that Bocanegra has been technical director and the team has won an MLS Cup, a U.S. Open Cup, a Campionas Cup, came within a safe penalty of making it back to the MLS Cup in 2019. There's opportunities this year in the League's Cup, again, to win MLS Cup. They're obviously out of the U.S. Open Cup. 
in you know one of the worst performances I've seen in Atlanta United's history. Those those are the positives. I, I keep saying I think Pineda is a good coach, but the players have to decide they want to play. And there's only so much Pineda can do with that. I'm curious uh, the role the mental coach that Atlanta United has. He he's a not a full time staff member. Uh, if there, he I know he was at the game last night. I'm curious if they're going to keep him around and try to address the players and and see if he can help get this team going forward. Next voicemail, please. Hey Dave, it's uh, Brett from Mableton, and I'm just curious which players in the starting 11 tonight do you think are worthy of keeping around for 2024? I know we ain't going to be able to keep Almada, but like, I mean, do you even think that guys like Brooks Lennon or, uh, you know, just whoever, like, I know Arujo gets uh, a bad rap, but do you think guys like that, you know, is is there a way that we can, like, cut some of the fat? and bring in uh, quality contributors uh, for next year? Because I'm, I'm just starting to look for positive right now. Thank you. Good night. Well, first it's Doug, not Dave, but that made me giggle because when I covered Georgia State men's basketball years ago, I covered it for a few years, and Ron Hunter and I had a really good relationship. But after games, with his mind is going a 1,000 miles a minute trying to figure out what happened for the good and the bad. He would always call me Dave in the postgame, always, and it always made me giggle. But anyway, Ron's at Tulane, and, and uh, I think Tulane is doing decently well, so congrats to Ron and, and his wife Amy and, and their kids and their grandbabies. And Anyway, so as I pointed out earlier, or my belief, as I said earlier, is almost all players are commodities. So I think Atlanta United is simply going to start looking at available players, available salaries, and trying to figure out, is there a better value for the cost? I don't want to, I, I mean, I don't know what players they might consider getting rid of. The, the MLSPA should be releasing the salary database any day now, because this is when they typically have done it in past years. And we'll get an idea of what players are making this year, and then you can start to form your own opinions about which players might not be on this team next year for reasons uh, that the team may not want them or they may not, may not want to be with the team anymore. Arujo is going to be a fascinating case study, particularly if his form holds uh, in its current vein. Uh, right now, it's it's. I know that he's at Lenny United's highest paid player, or at least he was last year. I assume he still is. And it's just not happening for whatever reason right now. All right, next voicemail. Hey, it's Jamie from Decatur, and I'm just uh, calling to talk to Doug. I'm curious, what has Atlanta United done uh, this season to make you think that we are anything better than about the 11th best team in the MLS? Uh, I'm I'm real dang frustrated with how we're playing right now, and uh, I I just don't. I don't see how it changes, so uh, I'd appreciate any insight you got. Thank you. Uh, you know, I would just go back to the first four games, um, 11 goals. Now, against uh, opponents that weren't playing, well, San Jose is a good team. The others are the jury is still out a little bit, I think. But that international break, when Atlanta United was missing seven players and they were bludgeoned by Columbus 6-1, seems to have just kind of broken this team. And they kind of started to get it back a little bit, and then – they got bludgeoned by Memphis, and it kind of broke the pieces all over again. But, I, I, you know, I keep saying team is loaded with talent. They just got to play like a team. Next voicemail. Hey, Doug. It's Andrew from uh, Marietta, and I'm just wondering, Gonzalo Pineda has been the coach of uh, Atlanta United for a long time now. And uh, what is the most impressive thing he's done as a coach? Because I'm just struggling to figure out, like, why we are uh, happy with a coach who can't even win at home against a team that we beat 3-1 to one on the road. I don't understand why we think that he he is the problem. He is He is the solution to our problems. That's all. I'm just curious. Thank you. Bye. 
Andrew sounds a lot like a few other of the voicemail callers in. Uh, so just to clarify a couple of things, Pineda has been with Atlanta United less than two seasons now. This was the team's first loss in f- six matches at home or five matches at home. So they have played well at home. Uh, no team is going to go unbeaten at home for a full MLS season. That's just a little almost impossible. Yeah, they're 4-1-1 at home. Uh, and I say you have to throw out last year because of all the injuries, but at the same time, despite all the injuries, the team still had a chance to make the playoffs, which to me is one of the best coaching jobs I think I've ever seen, all things considered. You look at the middle of the season last year, goalkeeper, right fullback, two center backs, left fullback, and defensive midfielder, none of whom were on the roster at the beginning of the season. That is what Pineda was forced to try to work with. So, you know, you didn't make the playoffs, but you, I think you should still give him a lot of credit for getting the team close to making the playoffs. Next voicemail. Hey, Doug. It's Kevin from uh, DeKalb County, and I'm just curious. Curious if you're even allowed to say the words Carlos Boganegra with uh, anything other than a compliment at the end of it. I know you're an access journalist, so you depend on uh, Atlanta giving you access to keep uh, doing your job. But if you could just weigh in on whether or not you're totally beholden to the front office, give me permission to criticize them. I'd love to hear that. Thank you very much. Bye. All right. Well, that makes me mad couple of things about your beliefs, my friend. I can say or write whatever I want as long as it's objective and fact-based. I have criticized Carlos Bocanegra a few times. I think that they have missed with some signings. I think they have also succeeded with some signings. What aggravates me amongst people, which I think you may be one, is those who blame Carlos for every single thing without ever stopping to think, hey, what does he deserve credit for? So, you know, if you want to be that type of person, go ahead. But I would think that's a lot of wasted energy. And it might be, you might be better suited to say, hey, here's a negative, but let's also try to think of something good that happened. Carlos Bocanegra was technical director when the team won three trophies. He's also been technical director when the teams missed the playoffs in two out of the past three seasons. So if they don't make the playoffs this year, I have said many times, I think Garth is going to have to take a long look at the front office and figure out what he wants to do. So there, and I don't need permission from Atlanta United. They are not my employer. I'm employed by the Atlanta journal constitution who spends a good bit of money sending me all around the country to cover Atlanta United and to ask tough questions, such as some of the ones I've asked last night and in past few years, but Hey, you be you. All right. Daniel says, that's it on to the mailbag. This is a long podcast, but you know, it's therapeutic. I think for some of y'all, We're going to start with Caleb. What has changed for Atlanta United since the last match versus Charlotte, which Atlanta United won three to nothing? I was shocked to see Charlotte go up three goals on us. Thanks for the great coverage. So a couple of things. Charlotte manager uh, Christian Latanzio was kind of messing around with this odd formation and tactic of tucking in the left fullback when Charlotte had the ball in certain positions of the field. Uh, Atlanta United was able to jump on Charlotte quickly and get a goal. It was an Amar Stadich tackle, which led to Almada getting the ball, passing to Wiley, I believe, for that first goal. Now, Atlanta United has been a team that once it scores first, it plays with all the confidence in the world. But if it doesn't score first or if it misses a golden opportunity, which happened twice in the opening minutes last night, it suddenly is like throws up its hands. It's like, I don't know what to do now. Well, I'm kind of done. And Pineda kind of referenced that last night in his post-game comments. So Atlanta took advantage of its first opportunities against Charlotte and then went and played with confidence. It didn't last night. That's the difference. And other teams know if they hang around, Atlanta United is likely going to make a mistake, and it happened last night. Caleb continues, in your experience covering Atlanta United, how much pressure do you think is on Gonzalo Pineda? Business as usual or closer to do or die? I think if the team loses to Colorado on Wednesday – as I've said earlier in the podcast, I'm going to have to ask uh, questions that aren't fun to ask, but it's part of the job. And not just about Pineda, frankly. Nick says, I was wondering that since people have at Atlanta United have been fired for less, what is the threshold where Garth pulls the trigger? 
I still don't believe that firing Pineda is the answer, but curious for your thoughts. Thanks for your coverage. I just asked that. I just answered your question, Nick. Uh, it's a common question throughout this mailbag, but I appreciate you taking the time. You're a friend of the podcast, and please keep sending in the questions. And I want to thank everyone for sending in the voicemails. They're fun. Uh, 770-810-5297. If you want to email questions, it's D-R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N at AJC.com or send them to my DMs in Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Brandon continues, thanks for the great podcast content. Two questions. Do you think that the recent run of play will impact the potential or amount of sale for Almada? I do not. You know, he got another assist last night. I do think he's starting to look a little bit frustrated the past two games, but I could be really wrong about that. That's just my interpretation of his body language. Brandon continues, like in previous games, it seemed like the team is looking for the perfect opportunity at the expense of good opportunities. I agree with you. I think they've overcomplicated, they're overcomplicating things when they have the ball on offense. It feels counterintuitive to say, but to this uneducated observer, it's almost like the players need to be more selfish and just let it rip sometimes. I agree, as long as it's not shots from like 30 yards away. Do you agree? And if so, how do you think it could be addressed by the coaching staff? It's simply telling the players, go enjoy yourself. Play with confidence. Trust your teammates. Trust yourself. Another Doug says, I just don't get playing Gigi down a man at three goals when he'd been sidelined with a hamstring injury. Felt a little desperate. Agree. Uh, Yurgos was asked this. I can't remember if it was Felipe or Sam after the game. Um, and he said this was the plan. They needed to get him minutes, so this was the plan to put him in. Uh, it was decided before the game. Daniel says, how hot is Bedeta's seat after this disaster? I, I answered that one earlier, but thank you, Daniel. Playing at home against a side who just played on Wednesday, missing multiple key players, and this is the response. Yep, so thank you, Daniel. Pat, who is waiting patiently for German chocolate cake, <laughs> says, this is a longer one, to begin with, the roof should have been open for the match. Bad karma from the get-go. All right. While Miguel Berry was ineffective, it seemed there were times when he deserved service and was not even looked at. I agree with that. Any possibility of Conway coming back from loan? No. With the, in Conway's one start, he also got no service. Charlotte defended Almada well, especially their second defender. At some point, the other midfielders needed to make three runs instead of just sitting back as outlets. I agree with you on that. Brooks Lennon made a lot of runs in the first half and played in some really dangerous balls. And then uh, the runs, I'd have to go back and look. It felt like they stopped, but that could just be kind of uh, a negative bias considering the team started to lose the game. And he continues, I'm happy for Miram, always classy and professional. Please tell me that Colorado does not have an ex-Atlanta United player slated to play Wednesday. He's uh, pointing to the fact that Joseph Martinez scored two goals in the previous game at Miami. Justin Miram scored two goals last night. So ex-Atlanta United players are doing well against Atlanta United. And he ends with, on a positive note, we fought until the end and won the season series on aggregate 4-3. to three. Well, there's a positive. So for all those people looking for positive, there's one. Brian says Frank DeBoer had a bad run at the MLS's back tournament and lost his job. It was right after COVID, but more importantly, less than a year after a conference final, they should have won and U.S. Cup win. Based on that, Pineda's seat should be on fire, or if we are really comparing managers, he should be gone. I disagree on that. But what are your thoughts on the front office moving on or staying course? Valentino has the respect of the locker room and should be given a chance. Well, you're making an assumption that Pineda doesn't have the respect of the locker room, and I don't know if I agree with that. Um, the MLS's back tournament was a total freaking disaster. Atlanta United lost all three games, was the only team to not score in the tournament. I'd have to go back and look, but I don't even think it came close to scoring in the first two games. It may have been the third game in which it came close to scoring. Again, this was an, a tournament in which Atlanta United had a lot of injured players. They had no Joseph Martinez, poor Emmanuel Castro, a really good guy, got rolled out at striker, missed a couple of chances, and then didn't play striker again. Uh, the whole thing was just a disjointed, god-awful mess. And that's part of the reason why Frank got fired. Heinze was fired for a whole lot of reasons, including the fact that the team had scored just 13 goals in its first 13 games, was regressing which is also seem, seemingly the case with Pineda. Um, so we'll just have to see what happens on Wednesday. 
Ivis says, what has this roster shown to make you think they're capable of winning MLS Cup? As I pointed out earlier, I think it's filled with individual talent, but they have to start playing as a team. Cole says, on the radio broadcast, Jason said that Hamidi Jop of Charlotte was subbed in and then out very mysteriously. Was that mystery ever solved? I'd have to go back and, and watch the game. I'm not quite sure what happened there. I was, I was doing some writing and looking for some photos during that break and play. And he says, I've noticed that some of the people who cover Atlanta United have been pronouncing Etienne's name as if it is Entian with an extra sound in the first syllable. Is there a reason for that? I have no idea. I was just looking up the pronunciation guide and it is Etienne, Etienne. And I'm obviously not one to get pronunciations correct because I'm a dumb guy most of the time. But that's how it is listed on the pronunciation guide. Matt says, that was horrible. I don't disagree. Other than a couple of nice combinations by Brooks and Louise, the offense didn't do anything. I would agree. A defender scored the only goal. That's a fact. What's the answer? What the heck happened? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I think I've explained it as well as I could. It's a team that just doesn't play with any confidence, and it especially loses confidence if, if you can go into the negatives when it doesn't score, when it has a chance to get that first goal, or when the opponent scores first. Adam says, well, that, in all caps, sucked. From our end, it seemed Almada was being hacked and pulled all night, and a few times Atlanta players were blatantly pushed off the ball with no call given. Was that the case, and if so, how much did that throw Atlanta off tonight? Uh, you know, there were a few times that Almada would stand after being pulled or fouled and hold up his hands, and the referee would call the foul. I don't know if referees get tired of players doing that, and that might affect calls for teammates I would hope not because they are all professionals as well the referees and he continues did Gutman perhaps risk the foul that earned the red card because how of how loosely the ref called the match no he risked the foul that earned the red card because he pulled on the player's jersey who beat him to the near post and didn't attempt to make a play on the ball that's why he got the red card Adam continues, can we please make it a rule that any player who goes, go, who goes down with an injury must sit out the match for at least a full minute? That's an interesting idea. Uh, I don't have any representatives on FIFA to talk to about that. If Daniel sojourns to Switzerland, I'll see if he can poke his head in to FIFA's headquarters and uh, you know, maybe throw him a little Doug coffee and some allocation money and something that he's crocheted and, and get that rule added. If the season continues to sour, does that increase the likelihood of Robinson and or Amada being sold in the summer? Uh, this will sound odd, but it would have to be a total free fall for it to increase the odds. Uh, I do think that Almada is going to get sold this summer anyway. Robinson, there's no point, and nobody's going to buy him right now because they know he's out of contract. So what's the point? Unless it's an MLS team that wants to make a trade to try to strengthen its MLS Cup chances. Jason could Jason says, I started following your tweets during the match, a nice match enhancement. Well, thanks, Jason. And you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Parato was my man of the match before he scored for trying to stand up Charlotte's number 17. All right. I truly think this is becoming a rivalry. I never heard an away section so loud, and I'm a founding season ticket holder. Yeah, Charlotte brought 1,000 fans. That was the most I've ever seen uh, for an MLS Cup match. They were very loud. So kudos to them. I wish they would come up with a different songbook. Some of these chants are almost as old as I am. Uh, so if they could come up with some unique stuff, that would be cool. But kudos to them for their energy and the time and the money spent to come down to Atlanta uh, to support their team. So that was pretty cool. Now for the question. Chipaneda have put GG in with a score 0-3 or let him rest more for Wednesday. I was worried he was going to try and overdo it playing catch-up. Uh, I answered that one earlier. This was part of the planned substitution, planned ahead of the game to get him some minutes. Keep up the good work. Take a coffee sip and put an Apple eye tag on that lost intern call screener. Daniel is not an intern, and he is more than a call screener. He is a fantastic human being with a heart of gold and the crochet skills of an expert master. I have no idea what the levels of crochet skilling are, but I've just invented them. Dave says, do you think the red card to Gutman was partially because Gutman called the ref out for not doing anything when Charlotte didn't bother coming out in time for the second half? No. It, 
he got the red card because he pulled on the guy's jersey. Christian says, Garth said he wants to bring in one to three more players. That is clearly needed. However, what are three names on the current roster that you would not bring back next season? So are you asking, like, my... If you're asking for my personal choice on players that I would get rid of, I'm not going to go into that. That kind of violates the objectivity of, of my job. If you're asking for three players that I don't think are going to be on Atlanta United's roster next season, well, that's pretty easy. Moreno, Mosquera, Almada, Robinson. I have to go back and look at the guys who are on one-year deals, but there are quite a few of them. They won't be back. But if you want to share your thoughts on that, I'll read them in the mailbag. And let's see, we've got two more. First from Rob with two Bs. Says Atlanta United was one of the best sporting events the city has ever experienced, and then it wasn't. As a long-suffering Falcons fan, I've learned not to get too invested. It's a heartbreak when they fail miserably again. Alas, Atlanta United 2 has fallen into the arm's length support category. Atlanta deserves better. Arthur Blank deserves better. They changed everything except Boca Negra and still remind me what's the definition of insanity. Keep up the good work, Doug. We appreciate all that you do. So I didn't really ask a, a question per se, but he took the time to write it, so I'm going to read it. And now on to our question of the week. And I realize it's not a week. It's question of the game, but, you know, it's Mother's Day. It's beautiful outside. Who cares? Grant, friend of the podcast, says... Of course, there is always division on the socials and debating Pineda out or Boca Negra out. Trying to stay objective, I've always liked Pineda. He always has seemed level-headed and intelligent and experienced and knows what he wants the team to do. I think you have alluded to respecting him in similar ways. On the other hand, on camera, I've never felt sympathetic toward Carlos Boca Negra. In contrast to Pineda, I have felt like he was guarded, nervous, and insecure, perhaps compensating for that by being cocky and kind of arrogant. But aside from that, isn't it logical to conclude that the reason the recent form has suffered is obviously due to lack of players due to injury and international call-up? Since we are having this kind of depth problem, doesn't that really fall on Eels and Boca? In other words, isn't it logical to blame whoever has built the roster? Yeah, I mean, I understand that. I thought the team was one of the deepest in Major League Soccer before the season. Uh, and then, you know, as I pointed out, the walloping by Columbus and the walloping by Memphis, and it's just fragile right now, just mentally fragile, and, and it seems like emotionally exhausted. We'll see what happens at Colorado on Wednesday. I, you know, I was, we talked before the game, some of the other guys who, who cover the team full-time and part-time, and we were, you know, we do predictions for the game, and some of us were like, we think this is going to be a butt kicking in Atlanta United's favor, but at this point, we just don't know because of recent form. It turns out, boom. But I also told some guys and that I thought that this three games, starting with the Charlotte game, were going to be very, very important for the rest of the season. That, and I tweeted this last night that I thought the team needed to get at least six points, or you know, some people could be in trouble. Now they've obviously dropped their first opportunity to get three points. So we're going to see. Uh, you know, there's only so much Bocanegra can do about injuries. Uh, it's it's a weird problem that this franchise has had for a long time, not just last season and this season. As far as your um, thoughts about Bocanegra, uh, he can be guarded, but, you know, he doesn't like to get out, give out information. I've, ne I've never thought that he was nervous or insecure He's gotten a lot better talking with the media and, and just kind of being more relaxed and, and kind of having more fun with it, for lack of a better word. But he is a, you know, he is a vice president. He can't be too folksy and all that. And he takes his job seriously. And, you know, he wants the team to succeed. Nobody wants to see – nobody involved or hired or employed by the club wants to see the team not succeed. So, anyway, and lastly – Grant says, I hope you got a guitar and have learned elderly woman behind the counter in a small town. So that's a song by Pearl Jam. It's one of my favorite songs ever. Grant, bless his patient, patient heart. Try to teach me guitar during Zoom or via Zoom during COVID. And, uh, you know, like guitar teachers before him, it just didn't take with me. I don't have the 
dexterity in the fingers to do some of the chords and it just aggravates me. And I'm the type of person that if I can't do it well, I get aggravated and I shouldn't quit. But at some point it just becomes a negative kind of furnace that I have to put out. Um, but I'll try again because I also don't give up. I have not bought a guitar grant, but I will. And I need to apologize to the people in my condo around me if they hear me attempting to bang out anything resembling music on a guitar. Again, it's Mother's Day. Call your mama. Go see your mama. Hug her. Tell her you love her. Thank her for something specific that she's done in your life that's helped you become the person you are today. Hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all take care. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,